0: Chilling, Anna. you will hear about eliminating up the negative and a accent on a positive. Gather round the children if you're willing and sit tight while I start reviewing.
1: Test, the test. Is this thing on? on? Oh, yes, it is. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, The Joyful Frugalista. And yeah, here's your host, Serena Bird,
0: and friends. Hello Fruit listeners and welcome. Today I have a special guest. He's someone I've worked with for a few years now. His name is Michael Miller. He's a financial planner with Wealth Market Northbourne and he's often quoted in the media for his thoughts about financial planning and wealth creation and that is a large part because he has a really good way of breaking down the complex into the simple. Welcome Michael.
1: Hi Serena, nice to be here.
0: Michael, a lot of people and a lot of businesses are doing it really tough right now. I understand that Wealth Market has developed a tool that can help to assist people with managing cash flow. How does it work?
1: We've called it a cash flow action plan. Uh, it's a focus on the actions that might be required and might be useful. Uh, we, we definitely have a tool that we use, but it's more of a, a process than anything else. When we're working with somebody, we'll use that tool uh, if, if they would like to go through that process with. A third party I describe it, and and I was thinking it's a bit of a funny saying because sometimes it's just me and another individual, so how do you get a third party uh when there's only two people? but I saw something once that really stuck with me, and they said that you and your money is is nearly a bit of a relationship you you mm. can have a good relationship, you can have a bad relationship, so I think that's where we describe ourselves as the third parties is because what's what's in in the room or on the Zoom, as, as it may be right now, uh, <laughs> is, is you the person, uh, your, your money, the relationship with that, and, and then us as somebody uh, external. But, but certainly, it's a process that uh, for somebody who you know, is a bit more do-it-yourself, uh, they, then they can just as much go through that them, themselves, and, and it's just as useful.
0: I just want to build on what you said about the third person in the room and our relationship with money. It is amazing how it is so emotive when you mention the word money. One of the first things, questions I ask in my money coaching is the first word that comes to mind when people think about money. And it's really fascinating because it tells you a lot immediately about what someone's relationship with money is. And often it's an inherited mindset that's come from their parents. And if their parents have argued around money, well, they're not going to necessarily feel very empowered about Looking at a budget spreadsheet and crunching the numbers, there's a lot of vulnerability there in terms of doing that.
1: Yeah, and I think that emotion, particularly right now and where we're using this cash flow action plan most, is is obviously around people who have lost their work or had their income or hours reduced. And what that does do is it brings on a really big shock. It's it's never a pleasant experience. And what that that sense of shock or loss it does to people is is it really narrows their focus mm. and it can also be a bit paralyzing one of the real benefits of this process is what it's about is probably more looking not not at your long term 30 year retirement planning type thing but it is perhaps expanding that time frame a little bit just to 3 6 or or even 12 mm. months to say well okay, here we are and we've got changed circumstances, the the natural reaction is just to sort of think about what's going to happen tomorrow or the next week, which is all very important, but Mm -hmm. but also just to stretch that a little bit out towards that sort of six or 12 months so that we can have a bit of a wider perspective And then look at, well, with these changed circumstances, what are the actions that we do need to start taking now or think about over that period of time to be able to get through that?
0: I think that's useful too. And I think one of the good things about that is it's a way of going into action, isn't it? Rather than freaking out and going, oh my God, I'm not working right now, or my hours have been reduced, or they might be reduced, and I don't know what this is going to mean. Can I afford the mortgage repayments? What's going to happen? Am I going to be repossessed? Am I going to lose everything? Like your brain sort of races, doesn't it? You go into mm. this um catastrophizing kind of thinking. And I know I went through this a little bit after and during my separation. Like even though I was actually in a fairly good financial situation, it's still, it's a big burden to suddenly think, wow, like my whole financial circumstances have just changed overnight. What is this actually going to mean?
1: That, that's right. And, and that's where the, the process, and particularly if you are doing that with a third party, can be quite useful. I think there's, there's two really key parts to it, uh, is, is it can give a very visual picture of what actually makes a difference. Uh, so the example that I've used a little bit is, is this tool. We set out you know, people's monthly expenses, what they're spending money on, and, and basically map that against things like emergency funds mm-hmm. and, and government support and say, well, what does this look like over the next six or 12 months for your cash position? And one of the examples that I've used with that is you might have somebody who, when they do their weekly shopping, goes to their favorite deli or bakery and, and picks up a little something special, whatever it is that... They're actually interested in, and maybe they're spending fifteen dollars a week.
0: Croissant, Laura. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's right. We're, we're not talking chocolate or pain or whatever. Yeah, that, that, my that's, bad, French.
1: That, that's right. The, we're not talking about big items here. Now, I think when you go into that crisis mode, you could be sitting there in the line, appropriately socially distanced at the moment, <laughs> and really starting to sort of panic and worry about that decision of yet, yeah, do I buy my croissant now? A lot of what we can use that tool to show is we can take the money that's in the deli or the bakery category and we can change it from the $60 a month to the $0 a month. And for a lot of people, that's probably not actually going to make a huge difference to that cash position over that six or 12 months. So it gives them a bit of that freedom to to spend on those sorts of things without inducing that panic. Mm. And then highlight, well, okay, if that's something that's not going to make a meaningful difference, what are the options? So things like obviously the mortgage payment deferrals or swapping to interest only that are going to make a difference so that, as you spoke about, we can focus a bit more on action. What are the things that I I should be thinking of and that I should be doing? But also taking a few items off that list saying, these are the things that you don't necessarily need to stop and worry about along the way.
0: So, you've got a bigger picture about where you're headed.
1: That's right. And the other thing that can be quite useful about that is just identifying the things we didn't really stop and think about. So, the best example that we've got of this at the moment is if somebody has recently lost their job or had reduced hours, now they might be due a larger than normal tax refund once this financial year is over. Mm-hmm. Now, now, we're not tax agents. We don't go on and do a refund estimate for a person, but we're just able to highlight and say, hey, have you actually thought about this? They might then have a tax agent they're working with or use online calculators to go and get a bit of an estimate of, well, this is the tax refund that, that I, I might be due. And then they're able to start, start thinking about those concrete actions. Okay, getting that refund is going to be a bit more important to me this year in a timely fashion. So what do I need to have ready you know, at 1st of July my payment summaries, interest statements from banks, whatever it might be, so that I can get that return lodged as soon as possible and then get the tax refund into my bank account. So it's it's just, you know, that's not the first thing you think of when somebody says, look, I've you know, had to halve your hours or, or your position's been made redundant. That's very useful to first just identify that that's something mm. and then to put it in the plan to say, well, okay, in the month of July or August, we are expecting to to get you know, this estimated tax refund, that goes into the, the planning.
0: And I must say, you touch on tax rebates and the importance of that, and there's a number of measures that have been announced to help people. And I must say that I find it a little bit overwhelming sometimes, just the fast speed in which information is, is changing, the announcements, where to find information and so forth. What kind of advice are you giving your clients about where to go to look for the current advice so that they know to be prepared? apply for these things like tax rebates?
1: I think now is the time that if you do have an existing relationship with, it, it is a variety of different professions, but tax agents, mortgage brokers, financial planners, they are definitely the people to be speaking to because, as you touched on, the rules are changing quite frequently. We are also seeing that there will be programs announced and very broad strokes descriptions of what they are, but they're announced in advance of the legislation being passed it's very much a day-to-day proposition of what you might know about the specifics of that scheme and how it applies to an individual so that there are people who are in the business of staying across that. And and I think if you've got an existing relationship with somebody like that, talk to them. Otherwise, you know, looking at things like treasury websites or Department of Human Services and and things like that is quite useful. They, They are certainly each Sort of department responsible for these programs is is working in overdrive at the moment mm. uh, to to get that information published as soon as it is available or, or passed.
0: And it's a mammoth work to do that to suddenly have these major policy shifts and have it available. I guess that that's it. We're just dealing with such an amazingly different, changing circumstance, and it's important to be agile and. Not everyone can do that in terms of change management. Small business owners are suddenly seeing their model shift overnight, and some will be able to be agile, but not everyone. I can see that that's causing a lot of angst in terms of finances.
1: Yes, we've certainly seen it through the job keeper and the job seeker programs, which are quite large, and the the job keeper program is is tied to people's employment and, and their employer. And there have been a lot of employers in particular trying to work out whether they're eligible, their employees are eligible. That's taken a lot of attention and focus. Mm,
0: Definitely. One of the other announcements that the federal government has made is allowing people to access their superannuation in cases of hardship right now. And I know there's certain stipulations with that and there's a number of criteria for applying. What's your view on all of this?
1: You obviously need to weigh up that decision between is the difference this makes to my financial position today going to be worth the impact on my retirement savings? But I do think it's very important to say, I'm not a zealot about this. There are a lot of people out there at the moment who the answer is, yes, it's necessary to survive today. Uh, and I will put in place strategies for the long-term later, things like extending my retirement date by, by a little bit longer. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it is something that for, for some people will be The difference between being able to make it through or not, one of the things we're probably working especially hard just to highlight as people are making those decisions is in Australia, people's personal insurance, their income protection, their life insurance is often very closely linked with their superannuation. And that's true. the the cover they have through their super might be the only cover that they do have. Now, if you need that cover, you just want to make sure that by taking this money out, I'm not cancelling that cover in the process. Because if you are closing down your superannuation account, if you're withdrawing the full balance, that is something that can happen.
0: Mm, That's a good point. There were changes, I think, to superannuation recently about inactive accounts too, that they don't always carry the full insurance. Is that right?
1: Yes, that's right. Insurance policies can be cancelled if you don't take a specific action to keep that policy in place, which is normally just talking to your fund or filling out a form that's particularly triggered if accounts fall below a certain balance or if they haven't received contributions for a period of time. So that that's obviously two things that if people are taking money out of their fund, well, it might go below that threshold. Or if they have had their hours or their income reduced or the like there, then then it might mean that there is a break in what was regular contributions. It's quite easy to do with every single fund to say, I want to keep the insurance in place if you fall below those thresholds, you just need to get in contact with the funds. Uh, And I think the only suggestion right now is most call centre wait times have blown out a fair bit. (laughs) Uh, I think every fund we've looked at uh, has generally built that into their online login mechanism. So you can probably try to log in uh, to your super account first and and see if there's a way to do that notification there rather than sitting on the phone on hold for a while.
0: And that's a good tip because I I can imagine... That for a lot of people who are going through the anguish of job loss or reduction in hours, contacting your superannuation fund is probably not at the top of your to-do list. It's probably not something that you're thinking about. You're thinking about the day-to-day of getting food on the table. Yet this is something that's going to have long-term impact. And the risk of not being active with these things is quite great.
1: Yes, that, that's right. The and, and that comes back to that, uh, as you said, quite rightly narrow or, or quite it's quite a human and normal reaction to really narrow your focus and, and to think about that those real sort of oh-my-gosh moments and issues, and, and they are important. But, yes, there is a step there of just broadening that a little bit. As I said, if you're in that circumstance, you're probably not looking at your 30-year plan. What we're suggesting is stretching the the one-day or the one-week plan out to three, six months and, and looking at some of those other items.
0: Mm. So you touched there on this concept of long-term planning. Are people panicking right now? Like we've seen a a tremendous drop in the share market. It would be easy for a lot of people to go back to, I guess, a lot of that sentiment that they saw during the Great Depression of the 20s and 30s of of people hoarding money under their mattresses because they don't trust banks and they don't trust financial institutions. I'm not suggesting at all that our financial system is
1: that shaky that we
0: need to be (laughs) worried about money in the bank. But are a lot of your clients very concerned about their long-term future? How is this reshaping their investment decisions?
1: I think it depends a lot on the circumstances that somebody was in. I started practicing through the the global financial crisis, always been very aware that something unexpected will always happen. Mm. If you'd have asked me on 1st of January this year to say, where will we be come 1st of April? I certainly wouldn't have predicted where we are now. We never know that it is coming, uh, but I do have some long-term clients who, at the start of the year, we were having a chuckle because the agenda item for for our meetings, I'd started calling the boy who cried wolf Mm -hmm. uh, because I was saying to people, never, ever know what's going to happen uh, in in advance, but something will always happen. And and we'd been having that conversation probably for three or four years that that it really did seem like I was the boy who cried wolf. (laughs) (laughs) There are ways in your own planning that you can prepare for the unexpected, not prepare for this exactly because nobody knew that this was coming, but you can have measures in place, emergency expenses and cash buffers in investment portfolios to account for the unexpected. Now is a time that a number of people are finding out that they hadn't thought so much about that. And, And then they face some tough decisions because there's no doubt that investment portfolios and assets- If you are selling them today, you are most likely doing so at a a fairly substantial drop in prices.
0: I think that's an important point that in any investment portfolio, you need that balance, don't you, between higher risk because of higher returns, but also really stable table things so that if things do happen suddenly, this case, it's a virus wreaking havoc, but It could be anything, really. It could be health issues. It could be an unexpected family starting early. Unexpected pregnancies do happen or fostering children, a whole range of things. I mean, my husband, Neil, as you know, had a massive heart attack two and a bit years ago, and thankfully, he had over two years' worth of sick leave with his employer, and he had a very good employer who had a graduated back-to-work system. Mm. But if he'd say, for instance, been a tradie, he was unable to physically perform his duties, like that could have been really difficult. And he saw people going through rehab who were facing those kind of issues, not just their poor health situation, which is a tragedy, but also the financial situation.
1: That's right. And, and there's a saying that we're very good at fighting the last war, which really <laughs> means that uh, on the other side of this, uh, people will probably be uh, increasingly prepared for the sorts of impacts on their work or their businesses and things like that that have come about. And then inevitably at some point in the future, there will be some other kind of shock. We'll be very well prepared for this one and probably prevent something like this, exactly like this from happening again or or at least being prepared for it. And yes, the the only inevitable part of it is that there will be something else that comes along in the future. So it's about being prepared for the things that you don't know about or or haven't had experience with.
0: Should most investors therefore be pessimistic expecting the worst to happen? Or is there... A silver lining to all of this?
1: I think that's a, it's a good question on mindset and a saying that I've used a lot. And you might have to forgive me if you've heard it already, Serena. As I say, I'm a glass half empty planner. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I care about having a plan for the way that things could go wrong and making sure we're able to deal with that. I actually don't make a lot of plans for the way things could go right. It can go right any old way it wants. Uh, I, I don't need to have given too much thought to that in advance. So I think there is an element of that of, yes, you should be thinking about the things that could go wrong, that could derail or knock plans around and think about, well, how can I mitigate that as much as possible? And then if those things don't come to be, that's probably not going to lose too much sleep over that side of the equation.
0: So a bit like an insurance plan for your
1: finances. Yes, yeah, that, that's right.
0: It's a good way of looking at it. I wanted to ask something a little bit more lighthearted. hearted are you still a coffee drinker?
1: Ah, uh, yes, very much so. Probably one of my key ways of supporting local business at the moment. Yes, you, you know that I've always been an advocate for that. If you enjoy the, the the coffee, it's probably not one of those things that is going to make a big difference. But if you are somebody who really needs it, taking it away might might actually be the thing that stops you from being able to you <laughs> know, keep doing your work and earning your income and and things like that. So I fall into that camp. So I am still drinking coffee. Still visiting the the local cafes to pick up a takeaway along the way?
0: Well, as uh, some of my listeners will know, I'm an avid tea drinker and I've calculated the amount I save drinking tea made from home, often with a shared tea bag with Neil. Although these days I tend to steer away from tea bags where possible and go loose leaf, which is even cheaper and even nicer. That said, I I recognise that Michael is in the other camp. (laughs) He likes to drink coffee. But what I really liked about your answer was that your commitment to supporting local businesses because they are really doing it tough right now. And this is a – it's not really a dilemma for me as a frugalista but it's something that I'm conscious about. Because I've been frugal most of my life and I'm now in a good financial situation where I can wear these shocks on that budget, I'm not going completely into the cave and refusing to spend any money i make a conscious effort to support some local businesses, particularly in the hospitality sector, where I know that they're struggling and that they value the support right now. Not to the extent that it blows my budget out, like my first and foremost responsibility is to my own finances, but I'm also very conscious about that fact that when we come through all of this, I want my community still to be there.
1: Yes, yeah, I think, I think that's right. We, we, we do all within a community. Uh, and, and I think it does come down to, as you said, you're you're obviously very hyper-aware of your own personal circumstances and that that allows you to support those businesses without putting at risk your own uh, financial uh, security. And there are some people who, because of change circumstances, might really need to watch down to the very last couple of dollars and have to make decisions about not eating out. Um, but there are also a number of us who can still sensibly do so while managing our own finances and yes, making sure that those people and businesses in our community that we value, that as you said, we would like to still be there on the other side of this, Mm. um, that they still have something viable that they can do to keep going and and survive because there are people who own those businesses who've put a lot of time into them. They employ people in them. It does have that knock-on effect.
0: It does. They say often with recessions and depressions, It's not that there's less money in the system, it's just that it's not flowing. Mm. That probably doesn't help any people who really don't feel that they've got the money flowing into their coffers, but there is actually still the same money in the system. It's just not going around. Yes. One final question. Do you have a Frugalista tip to share?
1: I think on that I can only defer to uh, the expert on this one. Uh, That is not me. That is definitely you. Um, So, (laughs) no, I've had a little bit of a think, but – Anything I could possibly think of is already covered, I think, between your Facebook group, your book and your podcast, of course. So I don't actually have anything specific to to offer to that one. I'll stick to my uh, areas of expertise, the sort of superannuation and insurances and (laughs) things like that. Uh, and, and gladly we refer people to the expert for their Frugalista tips.
0: Um, thank you, and I'm very glad to have your expert investing tips. I know that you have really provided some very useful specialist advice on the particular superannuation fund that I'm in, and I think that's really an area where financial planners really have a real body of expertise, being able to map the long-term view and to have that specialist knowledge on particular products.
1: Even before uh, social distancing was a thing, I did spend a considerable period of uh, my life you know, in the books on uh, tax and superannuation law <laughs> and, and things like that. So that's my world. Uh, I spend a lot of time there and I very much understand that a lot of people don't derive much enjoyment from that. So where where I do enjoy it, I'm, I'm happy to, to work with those people to spread that knowledge that I've been able to grab a bit of.
0: Well, thank you very much, Michael.
1: Thanks, Serena. You've been listening to the joyful Frugalista with Serena Bird. She actually likes everybody. And of course, sound has been by Neil Hadley. And myself, I'm Joseph McGrail-Baitup. you got to accentuate the positive eliminate the negative. Latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess with Mr. In-Between.